Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome back to the Dear Prudence Show. I am your host, Dear Prudence, also known as Mallory Ortberg. With me in the studio today is Lindy West. Lindy is a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times. Her memoir, Shrill, came out last year. Lindy, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I just want the people to know that I just had to retake the top of this episode because I accidentally called myself Lindy West because I was looking at your name. The most flattering thing that's ever happened to me. It's just really good for everyone to know I have so much strength of character and ability to focus and concentrate that sometimes when I'm doing my own show, I forget my own name. So you should (laughs) absolutely turn to me for all your advice giving needs. Lindy, I uh, was originally going to open the show by talking about how the greatest episode of television in human history is the Death Trap episode of Frasier, where they uh, reignite the Crane Boys mysteries. But actually, something came down the pike this morning in the live chat that was so... I think I blacked out for a minute. It was so intense that I have to talk about it right now on the show with you. I hope that you are emotionally prepared. I I think so. So the question was from this woman who usually when somebody sends me a letter, even if I think it's pretty clear that they're in the wrong, there is at least some attempt on their part to mitigate or justify what action they have taken where you kind of have to read between the lines. And I have never before gotten a letter that like so clearly and perfectly indicted the letter writer themselves uh, as this one did. This one was basically this woman's daughter was getting married. Um, This woman's daughter had a best friend named Katie who she had known since she was four. They were best friends. Katie was going to be one of her bridesmaids. Um, And Katie walks with a limp. And the letter writer said, I think it's going to look unsightly. And that we so I asked my daughter if we could have Katie sit down during the ceremony and maybe have her just take video or hand out programs while sitting instead of being your maid of honor so that she doesn't, quote unquote, ruin the aesthetic aspect of the wedding. Um, oh, my God. And, you know, if kinda, we could just have Katie positioned behind a screen, uh, maybe like in a, a, a the tree. other room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then it just ends with my daughter is no longer speaking to me. We were never that close, but this is her wedding and I want it to be perfect. <sighs> I, I just, I, I, it's changed what? me at a, on a chemical and genetic <laughs> level. I mean, it's it's so like, do, do you do you hear yourself? Like, I have to apply the usual test to it, which is like, if you reread your own letter, do you sound like the villain from a Reese Witherspoon movie? Um, and if so, how can you change your entire life? What advice is she looking for? Uh, it, it closed with, is it wrong to have her friend sit out? Um which, at the very least, is the right question to be asking, right? Like, she's yeah. at least not saying, how do I get my daughter to forgive me or see my point of view? Right. Or Don't like, you agree that Katie is a little unsightly? Yeah. So, you know, I, I was at least able to answer that question for what it's worth, listeners. I, I, I do believe that it's wrong um, and, and addressed it more fully in the column. But um, this one was just remarkable. I, I, it's been a while since I got a letter that was that clear cut like cartoonish villainy you might as well be twirling your mustache and tying somebody to the railroad tracks um just bad right like i wonder if you could somehow remove that letter from its context and show it to her as though it was written by somebody else if she would 
be aghast. I mean, a of you know all, what I mean? that's exactly what the prophet Nathan did to King David in the Old Testament, and it totally worked. So good. I was thinking of that strategy. Mr. Show. I was thinking of that Mr. Show sketch when they show the metal band videos of them having gay sex, <laughs> and they think it's awesome, and then they're like, "Now we're going to swap this video with a video of gay porn." And then it's the same video, and they're like, oh, sick. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> I'm just really glad that we got to work in Mr. Show and the Bible as two references for how we could handle this person. Either one is good. Just, yeah, what a, what a time to be alive. Um, yeah, I, I, I try not to run too many letters that are just clearly the letter writers being a jerk because I don't want it to become a column where I just yell at people. But yeah. sometimes someone really needs to be yelled at. I mean, you could... You could write a novel based on that prompt. It's just, oh, I just, I I cannot imagine how you make that suggestion to someone. Um, And don't. Also, can we, like, make a GoFundMe to send Katie an edible arrangement or something? I want Katie to have all the good things in life. I mean, hopefully Katie never finds out, right? Like, hopefully this is never communicated to Katie because she doesn't need to carry around the psychic weight of that garbage. Yeah. Anyways, so there you go. If anyone was curious, um, is Dear Prudence for or against kicking people out of bridal parties because they walk with a limp? Uh, I'm against it. I think that that's (laughs) bad and ableist and bad, and you shouldn't do it. So with that out of the way, um, I want to start with the very first letter, which is also about someone who is making a bad choice. I'm really excited to get to address this one with you, Lindy. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we will take turns reading the letters because I care about reciprocity. So the (laughs) subject line of this one is just irregular periods. Dear Prudence, my boyfriend is very disgusted by period blood, which is understandable. Period blood is gross. And because of that, we don't have sex when I'm on my period. I'm perfectly happy with this, and I feel that all my needs are fulfilled. However, I'm on a type of birth control that messes up my cycle, so I have irregular periods, which means I don't always know when it's going to start. Because of this, about every two to three months, I find out I'm on my period in the middle of sex with my boyfriend, who proceeds to freak out, immediately end our intimacy, and usually never pick it back up again, then try to distract himself from what just happened for the rest of the night and doesn't want to talk about it. Meanwhile, I'm left feeling hurt and neglected, abandoned in the middle of sex, and since I'm extra hormonal, I end up crying. My boyfriend always says that he's not mad at me and doesn't blame me. He knows I can't help it, but I can't help feeling that he resents me and that he's making my period all about his trauma from touching and seeing the period blood, which 50% of the population has to deal with as a normal fact of our lives. As a result, we both end up angry with each other. I'm mad at him for ignoring my emotional needs, and he's mad at me for bleeding on him and then crying about it. Do you have any advice for how we can avoid this mutual anger every time I'm on my period? You know, normally I try to read letters as neutrally as possible. Um, I don't like to give a lot of clues about where I'm at when I'm reading them. But I just gave up on that one real quickly in this letter. Um, I, I, I gave up and I sailed away to Feelings Island. Um, I sure do have some advice. Uh, Lindy, what advice do you have for these, these folks? I'm really curious to hear which Feelings Island you're on. I mean, oh. I, my, my instincts are um, men need to get a grip. Like, uh, I mean, obviously, it's not nice to um, bleed all over someone um, non-consensually. 
<laughs> but um, in generally in heterosexual intercourse, um, women have to deal with uh, a, a a not super pleasant male bodily fluid. Um, I and I I don't know. I mean, Lindy. <sighs> I, what? There, oh my gosh! I mean, that's just a normal part of sex, not a right. freaky witch eruption that menstruation is. I just feel like the way that um, we treat menstruation like this—it's just unspeakable act. I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not here to tell you that unless you are like animatedly eating your girlfriend out while she's on her period, that you're a bad person. Like, you don't have to. Uh- enjoy having sex with someone who's actively menstruating to be a good boyfriend but this is fucking ridiculous and like frankly the fact that you haven't chopped your boyfriend in half with an axe is a remarkable act of restraint yeah once again i mean i do not advocate (laughs) chopping anyone in half i don't think that you should resort to violence this is outrageous this guy is if this were like a 12-year-old, well, Ava, I'd be concerned that a 12-year-old was having sex, but like his response to period blood is, it's embarrassing for a child. And that he's a grown man <laughs> doing this on a like semi-regular basis. Oh, boy. Yeah. Like, I, I just want you to know, letter writer, this is not like, ah, two reasonable people disagreeing. Your boyfriend no. is being absurd. Yeah. And, you know, you know what might help is if he didn't run away every time he saw period blood. You know, you know what, what else I mean? might help? Breaking up with him. Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Absolutely. I don't want to, like, come out the gate with, like, dump him. He sucks. But dump him. He sucks. Yeah. The fact that she cries and then he gets mad at her. <laughs> it's so... I mean, that even just that part of it is beyond. No, like he freaks out, jumps out of bed, spends the rest of the night like rocking back and forth in a corner, <laughs> trying to calm down from the trauma of having like come near a period like she's ridden with cooties is just like the enormity of his response and the degree to which he will flee from you as if you should be confined to like a menstrual hut and shunned until you are clean again is... yeah. I, like, I can't believe that you've been, that you even a little bit feel like, how do we compromise on this? Like, there should not yeah. be a compromise. Um, like, hey, you know what's a, a what's a great fix? Turn turn the lights off. Can't see it. Like, you know, you'd never even know it was there. You know what yeah, I mean? I, I mean, I, like, I can't imagine. It's one thing to generally prefer not to have sex with someone when they're on their period fine whatever if that's not for you that's not for you um if you find out someone's bleeding a little bit in the middle of sex and you just it just kills the mood for you your boner like moves away to the moon um and you're just absolutely done fine um but then just calmly remove your genitals from her genitals and like get a paper towel wipe both of yourselves off and then say something like, hey, sorry about that. Do you like and like check and see, like, does she want to finish? How is she doing? How is she feeling? Um, this is going to keep happening every month ish for a long time. And it's just blood from her uterus. That's all it is. You don't have to love it. It doesn't have to be your favorite thing in the world. You don't have to put some in your like morning smoothie every day. Um, but if this guy 
like just the thought of his dick touching something that was inside your uterus makes him like throw himself in a basement for 24 hours um, and ignore you when you cry, then this guy's an immature, misogynistic asshole. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, if this is me, I'm dumping this guy. I don't care how great he is the rest of the time. If he is responding with this level of like paralysis and panic and terror and get your cooties away from me every couple of months, um, like there are guys out there who are not like that. You know, there are guys out there who are like, ah, a period. It's a biological function that some people have. Fine. Um, Yeah. Also, I'm going to like make you touch my ejaculate or potentially put it in your mouth so maybe i could chill out about i I mean not to get too graphic i apologize i just feel like we left we left like not being graphic behind a while ago the like the degree to which women are expected to be delighted by semen um (laughs) is oppressive transported with joy (laughs) yeah exactly like listen man you can get a little bit of uh you know (laughs) it's not even like oh no no i was that was gonna go too far um no it's not too far it's not like it's old and it's been sitting around like it's like fresh and clean blood from the inside of a human look you know here's I mean? the deal i i, I don't want to like litigate whether or not somebody needs to like period blood like that's not the issue the issue is no, not. i don't personally yeah. like it. i don't enjoy it sure uh, personally but like uh, he says he's not mad at you and doesn't blame you like the fact that that's where he's at emotionally is like yeah yeah he fucking shouldn't that's like saying look darling i'm not mad at you for converting oxygen into carbon dioxide several times a minute like of the the fact that he even thinks that he has the right to say that he's not mad at you for sometimes menstruating is yeah. <laughs> bananas. Like this is I mean, baby town frolics bonkers. Bare minimum, it should be framed as him having a hang up, not yeah. her making a a mistake. Right, like guy, she's not bleeding on you on purpose. It's not like she secretly knows when her period's about to start, and then it's like, yeah, I'm gonna bleed all over his dick and not tell him. Um, it's also just period blood. It will wipe off. Lots of people have periods. Um, y- you should be okay with that. Uh, like, bare minimum, your response to her menstruating in the middle of sex should just be like, oh, let me go grab some baby wipes. Maybe, like, shake it off a minute in the bathroom. Like, I mean, emotionally shake it off. I don't mean, like, actually shake it off your dick. Like, <laughs> clean yourself better than that. Um, and then, like, move on with your life because you're an yeah. adult human being who touched a little blood. For a second. And again, it's not like he has some sort of like traumatizing blood phobia. He's just being a misogynistic piece of shit. And frankly, I I would dump I would like take joy in choreographing a dumping that would result in me like pirouetting away over a bunch of synchronized swimmers or something like it would bring me so much joy to dump this guy. Um, I feel like I should say um, that this happened to me once. This exact thing happened to me once, not Except, every two to three months, the whole time you were together. <laughs> no, just once. Uh-huh. And I'm not uh, I, I'm not particularly interested in having sex when I'm on my period. But um, and I, uh, you know, now that I, I mean, it's not something that I do sure. on purpose. Yeah. Because um, like you kind of I mean, I don't know. I feel disgusting when I'm on my period. Everybody but, has um, super different responses. Some people are into it. Totally some people hate it. Some people are kind of in the middle. All of them are fine. Yeah. But I did have a surprise period one time during sex, just like this uh, gal. And the 
the guy uh we had been dating for a couple months and he never called me again he like freaked out ran away jumped in the shower was super weird and then um dumped me yeah which was fine i i was not i was kind of um relieved but yeah but i i think in general it's just a good idea um if there's something that nearly half the population experiences on a monthly basis um, and they are able to deal with it without like, do you know what I mean? Like most people who menstruate aren't every month, like screaming in horror at themselves, like, oh no, it's here again. Like, right. even if it's really unpleasant or, you know, really unwanted, it's still generally like, yeah, I can handle this. I know how to deal with this. I know how to keep like myself clean and deal with the hygiene of menstruating. Um, so for somebody who doesn't menstruate to have that response is just ridiculous and unnecessary. Yeah. And I hate him. Hate him, too. Yeah. Um, I bet he likes all the things that I don't like, and I bet he doesn't orderly get in line in a zipper merge on the freeway, and I bet he doesn't use his blinker when he turns lanes, and I hate him. I bet he doesn't give a courtesy wave. uh, When people let him in? Yeah. Oh, I bet you're right. I bet you're so right. (sighs) I bet he gives the finger instead. Mm. I bet he doesn't come to a complete stop at stop signs. Because they're red and it reminds him of menstruation and the thought of that is so terrifying (laughs) he has to flee. All right. uh, We got to stop just hating on this one guy because I could dedicate the rest of my life to doing that, but I really shouldn't. Um, Would you please read our next letter? Yes. Subject line, cold feet. Dear Prudence, my fiance and I have been together for seven years now and engaged for the past five. And every time we try to move forward with the wedding, something happens and we postpone it for a later date. I should note that I don't live with him, nor do I have a copy of his house key. He doesn't want me to have one for some weird reason. And I respected his wishes and stopped asking for one. In fact, every time I'm about to move in with him the month or two before we're supposed to get married, something happens. The first time, he was moving and didn't want to get married in transit. The second time, he let his friend, who was going through a divorce, live with him for two months, so we had to postpone again. Then his father died, and then he moved again to be closer to his mother, and then he took in another friend who needed a place to stay. This keeps happening, and the latest postponement came at a time when I needed to renew my lease, but wasn't sure if I was moving in with him or not. I don't have an issue with him helping his friends. What I have an issue with is that he talks about how since we're going to get married, that we're a team, but he only gave me a heads up on them moving in after the fact. I never got to have a discussion with him about how this might affect our relationship and plans. Our wedding that was supposed to be in October has been canceled and he didn't seem to even care. And overall, he seems to have an attitude towards me. It's like he's got tunnel vision because it's his friends and forget any plans or promises made with me. I'm getting tired of having to put our plans on hold because he's got to play the knight in shining armor. Sometimes I feel like I'm being too sensitive about all this, but the few family and friends that I've told about this have all said I'm not wrong for being upset. They don't think he wants to get married. And honestly, I'm starting to think so too. I'm tempted to just call everything off the engagement and relationship, but I feel stuck due to our long history and I don't know what to do. Any advice? Lindy, I just want you to know that originally this letter was roughly three times longer than this. Um, <laughs> wow. With just like further detail on how many times this dude has called off their wedding. Right. Uh, I mean, I, don't get married. 
obviously. I mean, I honestly don't know that she could get married. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know that getting married to this guy is an option. Right. But what is, I mean, what is their relationship? I mean, there's nothing, you know, usually it seems like when people are conflicted about, um, you know, not wanting to break up, mm-hmm. they list some things that they like about the person. Right. This does not have you that. Know, that was not something that I edited out, by the way. There was never any of that in here. There's just nothing. You know, just, oh, well, we've we put in we put in seven years, so I guess we should stick with it. Yep. Which well, is not. And I think that's what it is. Right. Like the only thing that the letter writer mentions is towards the end is I feel stuck due to our long history. Um, just don't is is my advice. Don't feel stuck because of that. Like that is the sunk cost fallacy. And I yeah. understand it's a little dismissive to say, like, just stop feeling that way and make a decision. But, like, you know, you just wrote an incredibly long letter to an advice columnist, basically giving a list of reasons why you think this guy doesn't want to marry you. And I agree with you. He doesn't want to marry you. He does want to keep putting it off indefinitely. He will continue to prioritize everyone else in his life before you. This is not a series of accidents. These are a series of choices. He doesn't want to marry you. Um, the long history between the two of you uh, is not an incentive to stay. It is a millstone that will keep you from moving in a direction that actually makes you happy. Um, so if you want, you can stick with this guy for as long as he's willing to jerk you around. I'm sure he would be willing to pretend to want to set a wedding date a couple more times um, and then invite a bunch of other people to move in with him instead. Um, but getting married to him is not an option. You can either keep getting rejected by him while you're with him or... You can say, I'm done here. I have sufficient information to know that even if we got married tomorrow, I would not feel like I was marrying someone who was excited about me. Um, You got to walk away. Yeah. Generally, you know, if you can, if you're putting up, if you're even entertaining these two choices, like, should we get married or should we break up? You should break up. Right. I mean, (laughs) if if that's even on the table, do not marry that person. Right. and also, you know, like, even if this was all innocent, like, which it's not, but say, imagine that he really does desperately want to get married, uh, but things keep getting in the way. There's going to be things for the rest of your lives. You know, parents die. Friends get divorced. People need help. Um, and if if you're a couple uh, and and you are a team, you go through those things together. They mm-hmm. don't they don't interrupt your your relationship they don't get you know it's there's that's never going to go away there's never going to be a time when you don't have any um any distractions or any interruptions in your life life's only going to get more complicated and you only get to live one time and this sounds miserable he has an attitude with you (laughs) for wanting to marry him my god uh run don't walk away from this horrible person yeah i want you and the woman whose boyfriend shrieks in horror whenever someone has a period near him um to just go on like a long thelma and louise style road trip oh my god seriously that's what i want for you but yeah no this is incredibly clear-cut um you're not really in a relationship at all and i think you should go ahead and acknowledge that and say i'm done um I think that that is the only way that you are going to ever possibly be in a relationship that makes you happy. Um, And don't let the length of your previous relationship convince you to, like, throw more time into it. You'll just lose more time. Yeah. Uh, Oh, man. And she's going to feel so good 
when she's away from him, you know? Oh. I'm and she's so gonna excited realize, like, for her. Oh, right. Like forward momentum in a relationship isn't weird and impossible. And I don't have to like accommodate someone else's like sudden wild changes in strategy constantly. Like it's not that hard to get married. You know what I mean? Like it can be hard to no. plan a wedding. There can be a lot, but like people dumber and worse than you, letter writer, get married all the time. Um, <laughs> it's not hard to get married if you have two people who really want to marry each other. Um, if what you have is one person who wants to get married and one other person who is for whatever reason happy with the status quo, um, it will seem like, oh, it's just so hard. Life's so dramatic. These things keep getting in the way. And it's like, no, it's not. People get married in prison. People get married at sea. People get married in the midst of, like, painful diagnoses and when their family members are dying. And during times of war, it is not hard to get married if both people want to get married. Nope. All right. So uh, getting even further into the sort of thorny weeds, the next letter uh, is just called, Was I Raped? Dear Prudence, I'm a woman from North America living in a rural part of the country in Latin America. Recently, I met a young man and we went out a few times. Things progressed physically, and after a romantic dinner at his house, we moved to his bed. We both took our clothes off, and I knew we were heading towards having sex, but I wasn't physically ready, so I asked him to slow down. When he didn't, I used my hands to slow him down and push him away gently. He moved my hands out of the way and kept going. It was very painful. He did eventually stop, at which point he berated me and told me I wasn't normal, and I left crying shortly thereafter. I don't think there's any point in talking to the authorities here as I would not be taken seriously as a woman, particularly against the word of a well-respected man. Not to mention there's no privacy in this town, and my professional reputation would be ruined. But I am upset, and I do think it would help me to have clarity for myself to know, was I raped? Or was he just a run-of-the-mill jerk, and I was foolish to put myself in a compromising situation? I keep replaying the situation over and over in my head, and the ambiguity of it is causing me a lot of distress. To be clear, I did not say the word no, but I did say wait, and not yet. You know, for what it's worth, this does not read like an ambiguous situation to me. No. Um, And I realize part of what you are asking for, letter writer, is just somebody else to kind of affirm what it is that you experience. And and I I realize that when you say you don't feel safe going to the authorities where you live, that you know your own situation best. And um, I understand if you decide not to report. For whatever it's worth, um, this was not run-of-the-mill jerk behavior. This was not ordinary. I mean, it, it can be ordinary in the sense that it can be common, but it's not ordinary in the sense that it's understandable or appropriate. Um, this was not ambiguous. You pushed him away, and you told him you weren't ready, and he persisted, um, and he didn't stop. And that is what rape is. Yes. You know, it's not for us to define the letter writer's experiences, um, but I certainly, by any definition, is a sexual assault. Um you know, I don't. I, I guess I just I don't want to tell people that they have to call their own experiences a rape if mm-hmm. they're uncomfortable with that terminology. But I certainly would. Um, and it's it sounds pretty clear that this person, um, you know, almost certainly behaves this way with with other women. Um, that that's not an isolated incident. And um, man, you know, I mean, the the sort of personal politics around reporting are so complicated and so you know so so fraught and right especially you know i don't know what country this is i don't know what the legal framework is there 
Um, right. Certainly. And I, you know, I, I trust the letter writer to, to know what's best for her and how to keep herself safe. And, uh, but man, um, that's a bad guy. Yep. No, and just for what it's worth, you know, and I do get questions like this more often than I would like that sort of includes some sort of I was foolish to put myself in a compromising situation. Um, there's nothing foolish about going on a date with someone and wanting to fool around or, you know, be intimate in some way, but not have penetrative sex. That's not teasing or misleading. That's not putting yourself in a situation where someone should be able to hurt you. Um, that's pretty normal, appropriate behavior. Um, and anyone who goes on a date with someone and responds to some sexual contact with, I am now owed maximal sexual contact as much as I want, regardless of whether or not you are enjoying yourself, um, that's not an appropriate expectation. That's not an expectation that you somehow raised with your earlier behavior. Um, that's wrong. Um, and that's cruel. And that's sexual assault. Um, there is, uh, like, life and dates are nuanced and sometimes complicated. And sometimes when you're getting to know someone, you're comfortable doing some things together, but you're not ready to go all the way and, um, or whatever all the way is. I don't want to, like, make it sound like there's only one way or one direction to go in. Um, but of course, it's also fine if things are going really well. And for whatever reason, you would like to stop. Um, that is okay. People can do that. And a good sexual partner will say, of course, thanks for letting me know. Uh, and they will stop. And it will they will not act like, well, the train's out of the station. I'd have to call a conductor to get it all stopped now. <laughs> That's not how anything works, except for trains. That's not how sex works with humans. That's how trains work. Yeah. And any person with with healthy sexual boundaries does not want to have sex with someone who doesn't want to be having sex. I mean, that's about the least sexy thing uh, I can think of, you know? I mean, right. No, and, and so it, it's a bad, it's a very bad sign. Yeah. And, um, and I, I think I would encourage you, letter writer, to not continue to give yourself a really hard time for only pushing him away, moving his hands, telling him to wait and saying not yet. Um, those were all very clear demonstrations of I don't want this. No is not some like magical word that unless you say it, someone else has the right to trample all over your boundaries. Do you know what I mean? Like, if Oh, yeah. I mean, and this big like cartoon shrug motion that uh, certain men make about, oh, how could I possibly read your nonverbal cues about whether or not you want to have sex with me? I mean, it's just um, it's so are we allowed to um, swear. I swore a lot pod. earlier, so go for oh, it. Oh, you did? Yeah. I forgot. I'm sorry. Um, it's just bullshit. It's just such transparent bullshit. It's such self-serving, disingenuous bullshit. Uh, of course you can tell right. if someone wants you to stop putting your penis inside of them. Look, of course. if I'm working as a waiter and I come to a table and I say, can I take your order? And they say, mm, we're not ready yet. That's clear. I don't need to say, can you tell me no, please, so that I know? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there are very few yeah. other areas of life where people pretend not to be able to tell what someone is communicating to them. Um, and so I think you can just apply, like, if I said, no, thank you, not yet, to a waiter, and they understood me, why do I assume that this person I am, you know, in bed with 
somehow because I didn't say no, they had the right to do what they did or I didn't do enough to stop them. Um, yeah. Like you made yourself very clear. He disregarded your boundaries and assaulted you. And I'm really sorry. And I also think, Mike, I mean, my God, it's 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 OK to trust people. If someone violates your trust, that's something that they did. Right. That's, that's not their on you choice. for trusting right. a guy you went out with. And how are we supposed to live like you're supposed? Oh, I'm supposed to move through the world every single day with the presumption that any man might rape me at any time. It's just not a real not a realistic way to expect women to live. And it's very confining and very, um, uh, you know, it's a trap also, because then uh, obviously the way that the system works is that when you are sexually assaulted, if you are sexually assaulted, we we rigged it so that it's your fault because right. you were supposed to be on high alert at all times. Um, and, you know, it's just to remove the <laughs> to remove the, um, you know, the blame for sexual assault from the person who did it. Right. It's a really um, audacious move. Yep. <laughs> like it's 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 like, wow. Um impressive yeah so you know letter writer for whatever it's worth what you described was absolutely assault um you did nothing to merit it um it is not just because you said wait not yet and pushed him away but didn't say the magic word of no does not mean that you are culpable or responsible and whatever steps you choose to take next um, whether you do ultimately decide to report or, or whether you even just want to share this with someone that you trust, um, whether they live near you or far away um, or whether it's a therapist, um, just to feel like you can discuss it and the feelings that it brings up and that you can do whatever you feel that you need to do to take care of yourself, you know, give you that permission. Um, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Even if there are even if law enforcement is not a reliable option, there are almost certainly some sort of, um, you know, nonprofit groups that were, you know, work with sexual assault victims in that region. I mean, I don't know, but it seems like there are often, um, you know, survivors on the ground doing this kind of work, especially in places where you don't have any recourse legally. Um, you know, there might at least be people that you could find who you can talk to and, and feel a little bit less alone and a little bit less, um, afraid yeah all right well you know in a similar vein actually is is this next letter so would you please read it to us and then hopefully we'll be able to end on something a little less intense yeah subject sex offender in the family dear prudence my husband's family is pretty close they all live in the same small town and regularly drop by our niece who is three is watched daily by her grandparents, who live a few doors down. The issue is that her grandfather is a sex offender, as well as a functional alcoholic. His offense was committed against a very close family member, but it happened in the 80s, so he's not listed in any of the registries. Also, the grandmother is my husband's stepmom, because his biological mom divorced his dad after the incident. I've heard that the grandfather's wife never believed her husband committed this crime, even though he was jailed for it. Apparently, the great-grandparents stood up for their son, blaming the young family member for the indiscretion. We do not think my husband's brother and sister-in-law, who are entrusting their child, our niece, to her grandparents, know about the sex offense. But maybe they do know, and have decided to trust him anyway. 
I would not allow my daughter to be in that house on a daily basis without myself or my husband present. I would definitely want to know if my father-in-law was a sex offender, but for years we have remained silent because of the possible repercussions by spilling the beans. My husband loves his family and doesn't want to cause waves. Also, my husband thinks the family member who was molested needs to be the one to share this info, not us. He says it's her news and her life. I partially agree. I believe my niece may be in danger, especially because her grandpa is an alcoholic. I've been stewing for years, wanting to tell my sister-in-law, but haven't. I've also encouraged my husband to bring it up. Again, maybe she already knows. What should we do? I mean, make sure that she knows, first of all, right? I mean, uh, she should know. I mean, I I wondered when I was reading this letter if there... The, there's a level of awkwardness there where it's been years that they've been watching their niece go over to this house to be taken care of by a sex offender and haven't said anything that, you know, if the sister-in-law doesn't know, it's kind of um, horrifying to bring it up now. Hey, by the way, we've had this information all this time, right. but we didn't mention it to you. Right. It's pretty, I mean, and this is distressingly common, right, is when somebody in the family commits sexual assault, even if they do something like go to jail for it, oftentimes the extended family will kind of close ranks around the offender and imply or outright say that the person who was victimized is a troublemaker or making things up or just generally, you know, not on their team. um, And they will sort of you know, let that person go and and protect the person who committed the offense. Um, and that's just really awful. And it's a real yeah. failure of the moral imagination. Um, so I want to also acknowledge, too, that I don't think that an appropriate response in general for someone who has been convicted of a sex offense um, is that they should always be followed around everywhere for the rest of their lives and prevented from, you know, um, pursuing rehabilitation or changing their lives. Like, I, I, I do want to acknowledge that. But I would say this, um, there does not appear to be any sign of acknowledgement or remorse on the grandfather's part, um, especially given that he married someone who believes he did not commit the offense for which he was not only arrested but convicted, uh, suggests that he has um, really latched onto that fantasy where he did not, in fact, molest uh, a young relative, um, which does not speak much of, of of his, you know, ability to pursue change. Um, and that just, I think also, you know, um, there are ways in which without saying someone is doomed to never be redeemed or rehabilitated, it's also really appropriate to say a person who has gone to jail for molesting a child um, probably does not need to be looking after children ever. Like, if for no other reason, then why would you put yourself in the position um, of, of, putting yourself in the way of of temptation like that's not you're not interfering with his right to work or pursue a new life like this pretty clearly seems like um a bad situation where dishonesty and deception are abounding so with all that said i think you should absolutely tell the girl's parents um i think you should say i'm really sorry for not bringing this up sooner i have felt uncertain and uncomfortable um Grandpa was arrested in the 1980s for sexually assaulting a child. Um, His conviction is probably a matter of public record, even if he's not on a sex offender registry. Um, 
you know, my guess is there is an arrest record of some kind. Um, and because the child's name would have been redacted in the original report, you don't necessarily need to, you know, name or point to the person it was. I think your husband, his desire to, you know, let the victim decide whether or not she wants to tell her own story is a good one. But there are also ways to make it clear that he has done something, you know, violent and wrong to a child without sort of naming names. Um, And I think to put the burden on her of, well, if she wants to make sure he doesn't babysit kids in his old age, she has to follow up and make sure she knows what he's doing. That's that's too much to put on a victim, I think. Especially, I mean, yeah, she's already been through the the incident, the abuse itself. Then she was rejected by her family. Uh, Now it's her responsibility to bring all that up again, you know, face the same possibility of being told that she's a liar again by her same, you know, supposedly close family. You know, what a horrible thing to put on a person. Right. Especially when it is. Yeah. When it is when it is almost certainly public record. And, you know, it's not easy to get convicted of abusing a child. Our system is set up uh, not, (laughs) you know, our system, if if our system has a a sort of um, bias, it's in the other direction. Right. Um, and there aren't the idea that there are, are kids going around falsely accusing beloved family members of abuse for fun. And then, you know, those false accusations routinely end in false convictions. I mean, that's uh, I mean, there was the satanic know, daycare panic in what the early 1980s. And that was like a very sure. sad and upsetting moment. Sure. I think that was like one or two people in the you're, you're absolutely right. The way in which that looms large. Yes. If he was convicted, that's plenty to talk about without bringing the person into it. Um, and frankly, you know, now that I'm looking over this letter again, the fact that your husband says he loves his family and doesn't want to cause waves makes me think he's not exactly concerned about like this person's autonomy and wants to make sure she tells her own story. He doesn't no. want to have an uncomfortable conversation about the fact that his father is a convicted child molester. And that's just too fucking bad. Um, yeah. I mean, can you imagine, uh, you know, there's no universe in which that child, if if they are being abused, wouldn't grow up and say, oh, my God, I wish someone had stepped in and done something. And you can be that person, you know, whether it's happening or not. Maybe it's not happening, but you have the opportunity to to be that person who changes that child's life. And I mean, you know, she says in the letter. We've remained silent because of the possible repercussions by spilling the beans. And then she doesn't list any repercussions. What are the possible repercussions? Some uncomfortable conversations with your family members, with your alcoholic family member that you think might be molesting a three-year-old? Yeah. That sounds like a good repercussion, actually. Yeah. (laughs) I think repercussions are necessary. And I think you need to say to your husband, like, I would love it if we could do this together. It's important and meaningful to me. If you're not willing to do that, if you're more afraid of making waves than of naming reality, I will do this without you. And you're going to need to, you know, that's going to be scary. And I'm sure your husband is going to come up with a lot of good reasons why you should all just like plug your ears and look in the other direction while singing loudly. Um, But this is the right thing to do. Um, And frankly, if you say to your sister-in-law, I have, you know, been remiss in not talking about this with you sooner. Um, I'm so sorry I didn't do this sooner. But I I want you to know that, you know, our grandfather is an alcoholic and a convicted child molester. um, And I wanted to make sure you knew that because he looks after your daughter. If her response is, yeah, I knew, um, then that was still worth having that conversation, frankly, because then I think 
you will have an opportunity to express your concern about her daughter's health and safety to her. Um, yeah. And that is a conversation you should have. I understand it will be embarrassing. I understand it will be painful. I understand people may get defensive um, and angry with you for making waves. This is worth making waves for. Whether or not you get your husband's support, like just say, I'd love to have it if I can. Um, but if you lack the courage to have a difficult, uncomfortable conversation about the care and safety of a three-year-old girl, I'll do it without you, man. Yeah. And if you do have that conversation with your sister-in-law and she is angry with you for not telling her sooner, if she yep. didn't know and she says, oh, my God, why didn't you tell me? Uh, she's justified in being angry. Yes. You know? And that's okay. And that's okay. And yeah. you need to absorb that discomfort. Yep. Especially um, because, like you yourself say, I would never leave him alone with my kid and I would want to know. So go yeah. ahead and treat her like you would want to be treated. You already know what the right thing to do is. Um, but the, the family's general fear and aversion to the truth is starting to get to you and you're starting to think, well, maybe I shouldn't do something for her that I would want someone to do for me. Um, no, you already know what the right thing is and you need to do it and you need to do it now. Yeah. Man. Woof. All right. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we've got uh, one more letter that's on a slightly less, I mean, it's still complicated, but it's it's slightly less soul crushing. And that's always a good note to, to move to. But the subject of this one is just a mixed orientation marriage. Dear Prudence, I'm a woman who's been married to a man for 12 years. We have two small children. Before we got married, I told my husband I was bisexual, which I thought was the correct way to describe myself at the time. Now, over a decade later, it would probably be more accurate to say that I'm gay. My repressed sexuality bothers me sometimes, but most of the time I tell myself that I have a good marriage, and for me, a cohesive family unit is much more important than sexual fulfillment. I fully acknowledge that other people might feel differently in this situation. I do, however, experience isolation at times. Everyone in my life, for good reason, thinks I'm straight. I've thought of attending some type of LGBT support group, but I'm concerned that I might be harshly judged for my choices to live a straight life while gay. I also don't want to offend anyone, and I'm afraid the queer community will be personally offended by my lifestyle. Do you think trying to find some type of LGBT community while in a heterosexual marriage will cause more harm than good? I kind of feel like this letter's kind of sweet. <laughs> like, it just doesn't go in the direction that you expect it to go. Mm -hmm. It's not, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm... I'm worried about betraying my husband by living my identity. It's I'm worried about betraying. Like, am I betraying my identity by staying with my husband? She doesn't seem to be very. She doesn't seem to be interested in leaving her husband, which is. I mean, do you get that impression? You know, it's, it's, it's not even an impression. Like she outright says that she is more committed to keeping her family together in a marriage than in, um, you know, like coming out and and being with a woman um so yeah. her her choice is really clear um god i just i had a letter this morning in the live chat from somebody whose mom just came out as a lesbian after being married to their dad for 20 years and um ways in which the oldest child had like helped her hide dating apps from her husband and it was a real mess and not to say that that's like wow. necessarily in this letter writer's future i just want to throw out there that sometimes our ability to predict how long we will be able to continue to do something um, is sometimes a little bit skewed. So I, I don't want to say you should or have to leave, especially with two small children. I really do understand that the choice you've made feels worth it to you. But I think you're going to need that support, especially as your kids get older, 
And it feels a little bit less immediate, like, I need to stay in this family and be a mom and be married to their dad, um, that there may come times when the choice you have made right now feels harder and more painful. Uh, You may meet somebody who kind of sets your world upside down and you didn't really know you could feel that intensely about somebody and that might prove really hard. Um, Again, not to say you shouldn't be making the choice that you're making, but I think you will need that support because what you're doing um, is hard. And it it sounds like also rewarding and and that you care for your husband in a real and meaningful way. But I do think that you should seek out support. And I think especially if you're looking, you know, it's not like you're looking to go to a gay bar on the weekends and be like, this is my husband. Um, Everyone help me manage this. Like, (laughs) uh, you know, support groups are for support. And um, you should hopefully be able to look for one. Sometimes in some towns there are um, support groups for Uh, LGBT people in like quote unquote heterosexual marriages Um, like this is not at all something that's unheard of this happens a lot this has happened historically a lot so there may in fact be groups for people in exactly your situation yeah I mean also you know you're gonna die eventually you know you get one life and I think it's important to at least have this conversation with your husband Um, and there are all kinds of families living with alternative family structures that work really well for them. And I don't think the, I don't think the only two options are, um, heterosexual marriage, uh, or mixed orientation marriage or divorce, you know, I mean, you can, you can raise kids with someone that you're not intimate with someone that you're not married to there are a lot of options outside of um you know staying in this traditional family structure that doesn't allow you to i mean and i don't know i'm 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 putting words in her mouth maybe she does feel fulfilled in this marriage i have no idea but you know that potentially doesn't let you fully live a fulfilling life you know live every aspect of who you are so you know, it just seems she doesn't say anything about her husband being unsupportive or her husband, you know, being afraid to talk to her husband. So talk to your husband, you know? Um, yeah, w- no, I, I think that's a good idea. I think she might be at a point where she feels like saying I was bisexual to my husband was as close as I could get to the truth. If I tell him any more, then that's going to start to like spread cracks in the foundation of our marriage. And again, that's not yeah. to say you need to come home tomorrow and say, like, I'm not really attracted to you at all. Surprise. Um, But if you can find ways to at the very least say, like, it would be helpful to me to sometimes go to a support group for queer women, um, you know, just just something so that it's not something you totally have to keep from him. Um, Yes, absolutely. But your question is, should I go? Will I offend people? You know, I want to say hopefully not at all, but it is possible that there will be some people who try to give you a hard time about that. Um, I apologize in advance. Um, I, I think, you know, what you are doing is not like taking up space from anybody else. You are not trying to impose your choices on anyone else. You're not doing anything that's offensive or wrong. You belong at an LGBT support group because you are a lesbian who needs support. Um, so absolutely, I think you can and should find a place with support groups. And, you know, if you're anxious about that, you can bring that up. You can say, I think I'm gay and I'm nervous because I I believe I want to at least try to continue to stay with my husband for right now. And um, I'm worried that people are going to judge my choice and what I want is support. Um, But I think that's worth doing. I think you should do it. I don't think you're going to be met with just a wall of 
you know, horror and offense and get out. I don't think that that's going to be the the overwhelming response. And if you are, maybe you should find a different support group because that doesn't sound very supportive. Yeah, that's a bad support group for yeah. sure. Um, but I mean, look. not that it's my place to tell queer people how they should feel about who's in their support group. But, you know, I mean, it's a support group. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I, I think you are qualified to speak on the nature of giving somebody support. Um, yeah. <laughs> and sorry I said that you're going to die. I just meant it's true. eventually we yeah. all do. Yeah. And based on the evidence that we have, this might be your only your only one. You know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I also understand that, uh, you know, divorce is not especially with little kids. It's not something to be undertaken lightly and that for a lot of people, um, they might feel really happy, not necessarily like thrilled all the time, but like that choice might be worth it and meaningful to them. And like, I don't think that if you have decided to stay with your husband, then it means you are, you know, making the wrong choice or denying yourself. Like, obviously, it's not a choice you might make if you met him right now, but like you, you're only working with what you've got. Um, and I think your choice is an understandable one. I wish you the best. I hope you're able to find just maximal fulfillment and contentedness and companionship in your marriage um, and that it proves meaningful to you to go to, you know, queer support groups and and talk about what you're going through because it's important and it matters. All right, Lindy, we did it. We did it. We fixed everyone's problems. <laughs> this was so fun. Thank you Thank for you helping me for to heal letting the world. Me... You're so good at this. Well, I'm always like, I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I do have to know. It would be a very short podcast if I did not have a lot of opinions. Um, yeah, I do like how like I always start the podcast really swinging, like chop your boyfriend in half with an axe. And then by the end, I'm like, oh, life is such a journey and a process. And who's to say what's right and what's wrong for you? Um, so I, hopefully everyone got a different cross section of my opinions today. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, take care. See you later. Thank you. You too. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Audrey Dilling. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash dearprudence to subscribe. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327. And you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short, 30 seconds, a minute tops. 